Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Um, best day of my life. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of the Lockdown Lowdown and another episode where we're going to be talking about another frustrating game. Uh, it seems like it's going on and on this season. There's four losses out of five now and another game that we really should have won and really should have got more out of. I'm joined by the regular crew of Chadzi and Jugsy today and we're going to be talking about the game and doing a deep dive about all the various talking points and also we'll be talking about the Newcastle game as well. Hopefully it goes ahead. Uh, no uh, late night ramble this week, given the short time between games. Uh, Jugsy and Chadzy need a bit of recovery time between games, so uh, we've decided to give them a couple of days off. Uh, I'm sure Smith will do the same with his players. But um, before we start and before I give my thoughts on the game, Chadzy, just go to you, mate. Just get your just before we go into the game and do a deep dive. Just give me your general thoughts on on, on what you're thinking about the game the, the morning after. Yeah, I'm glad we've recorded it this morning rather than last night. Let the frustrations die down and, you know, the anger about what happened at the end. But I thought we played really well. I really did. And um, strangely, I wasn't very confident going into the game. Um, I didn't think that we'd cope very well with West Ham's physicality. They're on a good run of form, um, various stats and um, reasons why I didn't didn't fancy us which was strange for me. But, you know, the, the game didn't turn out how I was expecting. Um, I would have taken a point, but we were completely dominant from, well, I'll say from the first minute, we'll get on to, we'll get on to that. But we've played some great stuff. We've created lots of chances. Um, and actually, I thought with the ball, despite um, Barkley not being around, we actually looked like we knew what we were doing. We looked like we had a plan. And it was another, obviously, fantastic performance from Jack. But we've walked away with zero points again, which is just hugely frustrating. And I think there's two perspectives. There's one where you can say it's a game we deserve to win and reel off a load of stats as to as to why. Or you could be on the other side of the fence where if you miss open goals, you miss penalties um, and you, you take two minutes in each half to actually start concentrating and switch on, you don't deserve anything. So it depends which side of the fence you fall on, really. I think I fall into both camps. <laughs> I thought we played really well. And, you know, I, I think our performance did deserve more. But you, you can't miss penalties. You can't miss open goals and expect to win games in this league. So we need to be a lot more clinical um, and, and professional as well, I think, at times, at, at both ends of the pitch. And we need to start learning lessons a bit faster. You know, this has been a few weeks now where we've been sloppy um in opening periods of the game we've been sloppy defensively and if we want to achieve anything this season of note we need to take one or two weeks to learn our lessons not one or two months like like it was last season what would you um what do you put it down to in terms of you know after coming back from lockdown and generally improving and, and start this season generally being quite resolute being quite well drilled and, and not letting the uh you know, not 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 letting, not sorry, not have not being sloppy as we have been recently and and early on last season. To suddenly going back to that now in the last few games, what do you put that down to? Do you think it's just individual mistakes or concentration or you know what 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 do you think the reasoning for that is? Yeah, I think there's clearly a bit of concentration there. I think you've only got to look at how we defend the set piece. Yeah, we can talk about zonal mark, and I'm sure we will. But concentration as well. We were blocking each other. We were blocking our own runners. And we clearly weren't switched on. The fact that they even had the corner in the first place was because we weren't switched on from the long throw-in. Suchek probably should have scored, to be honest, a good, a good block from my target. Um, but I also do think there is an element of luck at play here. You know, you've only got to look at the XG stats of our, our most recent games. It seems that every time the opposition have a chance, there's a goal. I genuinely, you know, Martinez, I bet you can't believe his luck. I don't think he's made hardly any saves this season. It's just, it seems like when the opposition have a chance, it goes in. And I don't think he can be blamed for that, really, because he's not really getting the opportunity to make, make saves. Okay, he made a couple last week against Brighton, but all Martinez has seemed to do for Villa is pick the ball out of his net. <laughs> and it's bizarre, really, because we're not, we're not conceding lots of chances. Um, but when we do concede chances, we're not, we're not as switched on or not as resolute as we were 
um, after the restart last season. So I think eventually these these patterns and stats will even themselves out and we'll start to pick clean sheets up again because it's not like we're conceding chance after chance after chance. But um, yeah, something needs to happen. We do need to improve. You know, Friday's massive now, isn't it? Yeah, no, it really is a massive game. And well, we'll see if it goes ahead or not. Um, there's still some debate around that. James Nursey's just tweeted that um, a decision could be made later today uh, amid a raft of positive tests in, New- uh, positive tests in Newcastle. And hearing, he's hearing from the North East that the Public Health England Authority are getting involved and due to visit the training ground. So we'll see see what happens with that. And your point around, you know, Martinez and picking the ball out the net and, and sort of everything going against us at the moment. And there's a stat we saw yesterday that um, I think it was between eight and 11 shots on our target, on, on our goal in the last five games. And we've conceded eight goals. So it just shows you, you know, we're, whereas last season we were conceding 15, 16 shots on goal every game. You know, there was, there was games where teams are just walking through our midfield now we're we're still you know quite resolute in terms of our general play not conceding too many shots on our target and 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 defending quite well but it just seems to be every time that they do get an opportunity they seem to to make it count and whether that's luck or whether that's there's more to it I, I don't know I, I suppose looking at the first goal Jugsy, um that probably isn't luck that's more to do with our our defending what what do you make of uh what do you make of uh, the, the 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 corner and the way that they scored, and also the mix between zonal and man marking? Yeah, I thought it mirrored the Vestergaard goal for Southampton, and I know a lot of teams have uh, adopted this sort of half zonal and half man marking approach, but I just don't think we're the side for that because we're so small as a team. I mean, you got Mings, who's obviously you know I mean six foot three or six foot two or whatever he is. Conter's probably six foot. And you've got target, the next tallest. We're not that big as a side. So I think given them circumstances, I think we should go man-to-man and get Mings and Conter on, on the two biggest um, opponents, really. Um, so I thought the goal was frustrating because a lot of people are blaming target for it. But again, McGinn, I think it was, lost his, Ogbonna has lost his man. Um, they've blocked each other. Again, what Chadzi mentioned. And uh, Ogbonna's got a free run at it. And target's you know what I mean, standing. So he's, he's doing it from a standing jump. So he's never going to get up there to to challenge him or put Ogbonna off. And it's quite an easy header in the end. It was a good delivery in actually from Bowen, to be fair to him. Um, but again, just shows that we were naive really. Um, I think, as Chadzi mentioned, the throw in, the long throw, Dougie Louise got caught under the ball. Um, there wasn't much sort of aggression from Conter and Mings. And I think it just sets a tone. I think they, Conter and Mings are so vital to this team and they've done excellent really since since last season well the end of last season but they just need to be a bit more aggressive you know I mean you've you got to hunt that ball down and get rid of it I just think we're just too lackadaisical at the back and you know I mean Mings occasionally will do these Cruyff turns but his job ultimately is to defend it's not to be sort of a playmaker at the back he's not Beckenbauer do you know what I mean it's to get that ball outside our, out of our third and uh, one of the stats I think just highlighted our vulnerability uh, which mirrors what we saw last season is that we've conceded four set piece set piece goals this season. That's the second highest in the league, and that equates to a third of our goals. So again, just highlights an issue where we're not great at defending set pieces, and it is a maybe that that um, hybrid of zonal and man marking doesn't probably suit us and a height in our team. I mean, we're not the the, the biggest of, of of teams. And it's something that we looked at. I mean, a lot of defensive midfielders in the Premier League are pretty tall. Um, obviously, we've got Dougie Louise, who's excellent. He's, he's bought more of a ball player. He's, he's not that big unit at the back. Um, so he's not going to ever, ever assist. So it's something that Smith needs to keep an eye on. Um, but we just need to adapt it. If something's not working, why not address it straight away? Don't wait till half the season gone to then look at it. I mean, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. I uh, no, I'd agree. I'd agree with that, and I think you know I, I'm quite a fan of zonal, uh, the mix between zonal and man marking. If you've got the right personnel, but the key is, as you've said, is is the height. You know, if you've got three or four players, then you you can deal with sort of the the, the sort of the quadrant around the area and, and sort of clear up any balls. Really, yeah, and it's going to be very difficult for the opposition to score. But when you've only got two players that can that can win and and attack the ball, and I get it. You know, I know why Smith's doing it because he wants our tallest players to have a run at the ball. You know, have the ability to clear it rather than. Uh, getting caught in a battle and then, you know, losing that and and you know it has worked well for us in, in the past as well. You know that, that we have improved in set pieces until recently. 
Um, so it definitely needs to be looked at again. And I don't know what you do. I mean, when we had when in championship, when we had Tammy, you know, he was fantastic at that near post clearing balls. And, you know, maybe if we had Wesley, then it may, may be slightly different, but it's definitely something that needs to be looked at. And you're right around sort of the lackadaisical point as well. I do think at times Mings and Konza, more so Mings, I would say, uh, you know, he, he, he can just play it simple rather than trying to do something a bit more uh, fancy and getting caught out like he did with when Declan Rice tackled him and then they ended up having a, a decent chance and Bowen could have done slightly better. But at the same time, you know, a lot of our good play yesterday in the first half, especially started from Mings' balls through through the midfield. You know, he, he at, at numerous times during that first half, he played, um, you know, sort of really defense split, well, midfield splitting balls through the middle. Uh, and, you know, we were at, on that goal uh, and created a lot of our good play from that. So it's one of those, isn't it? You need to find the right balance and, and, and it's decision making at the end of the day. You need, to, you need to know when to do the right thing and when not to do the, you know, when, when to play the ball or when to clear it end of the day. But looking looking at the rest of the half, Chadzi, um, after the first 10, 15 minutes, you know, yes, it was it was a pretty sloppy start, but then we sort of came into our own and started dictating the game and, and stamping our authority on the game. And we had a couple of decent chances. Konza's header, I'm thinking of, where he probably could have done better. And then, you know, a decent attempt by Watkins when he was a little bit behind him and just went past the post. What was your what was your general thoughts on the first half and also on the goal as well, Grealish's goal? Yeah, I thought we did really well to get back into the game. I was obviously frustrated and annoyed at the start but then we really grew into the game from about the 15 15 20 minute period onwards and like I said when we had the ball I really felt like we had a plan we knew how we were going to attack target was linking up well with Grealish down the left Hurahan was linking up well with the two of them on that left hand side of midfield again Trez was finding space but not his best night end product wise whatsoever and we, we might come on to that separately and Jack was drifting inside more so you know I think it was one of those games where Jack Jack took it by the scruff of the neck and he drifted inside went looking for the ball more and he didn't hang out on the left as much as he has done in previous weeks and sort of I, I felt was acting in more of a free role and then Trezeguet as well was finding himself centrally as well sort of dropping in behind the midfield and finding space um, so I was I was really encouraged. We you know we absolutely dominated the play from there on in, uh, and Grealish just found that little bit of space in the hole and got got a shot away. Great goal! You, you get the deflection, but I think you know that's something that Grealish has improved a lot more this season, getting more shots away. And we could probably probably say he could get even more away. You know, he, hopefully he'll see that if you don't shoot, you don't score, and if you do shoot, you, you you're quite likely to get that deflection or that little bit of luck. So great great goal from the captain. You know, I thought there was only going to be one winner from there. And I think Smith said after the game that it's a credit to our first half performance and how we responded from the goal that they made two changes and changed it up tactically at half time. So there's only one team in it for me after the goal. And that's what's what's so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned Harahan there. Obviously, there was a bit of debate before the game about who was going to come in for Barkley, whether it was going to be Traore or or Harahan. Harahan came in. And we reverted back to uh, almost a 4-3-3 again with uh, McGinn and Harahan either side of, of Dougie Louise. What did you make of Harahan's overall performance and contribution to the side? And uh, and, and going forward, do you think he, he's, he is a, there's a place for him there in, in the team? Or do you think Smith will look to change it up on Friday? I thought he was okay. You know, I don't think there has to be this hysteria all the time about being superb or absolutely terrible. You know, he was neither. He was just okay. Um, he was quite quite solid in possession. We know he's not as dynamic as McGinn and Barkley. He doesn't doesn't cover as much ground, so he does look a bit leggier, and he does look a bit like you know he, he's not doing as much to the naked eye. Um, but that's not to say I thought he played well either. I thought he he, he filled a shirt. He, he, he performed a role which linked up well with Grealish and Target on the left hand side, but. You know, you, you can't criticise Horahan and, and say that he's had a an off day and not say the same about McGinn. You know, they were both both okay. I wouldn't even say they were both poor or average. They were both okay, but it was Louise and Grealish that were doing most of the damage. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. I think I mean I think Horahan first half was was okay. Um, um, but he definitely deteriorated second half. And McGinn again, another poor performance, another defeat. Where we're thinking, we're looking at McGinn to take again, you know, do a similar role to Jack and take the game by the scruff of his neck and and, and impact it. But he hasn't. Jugsy, what are your what are your thoughts on what Chadzi just said there? No, I, I agree with Chad's completely. Hurahan, 
he's not physically sort of that Premier League type player, really, is he? He hasn't got the pace, he hasn't got the physicality. And he's up against West Ham, who uh, got Rice and Suchek, who are probably two of the most physical players in the league. So I thought with Hurahan, he knew his role in the team. He was there to support Jack on the left, um, go out to the left when Jack was coming inside so and help target defensively. Um, I just felt when he looked to get the ball, he was just looking to play off first touch, first touch passes. So he looked a bit nervous when he was getting the ball. He didn't want to get sort of control of the ball and get tackled really. So that was the only thing I thought that he was just a bit nervous on the ball. Is uh, He added a bit of value with his set plays. So I thought his set pieces were pretty decent. He was unlucky with a couple of free kicks. I thought one hit the side netting that normally he scores that when Grealish helps shift that to the left. Yeah, I agree with Chad. He was okay. He wasn't great. Again, it's just the depth in our squad, isn't it? What op- other options have we got? It would have been either Hurahan or playing Jack Central, really. I don't think Ramsey and Nakamba would have had a look in. Um, not now. I think Ramsey's just not not probably ready to start a Premier League game, although I, I quite like him. And Nakamba maybe makes us too defensive because um, we want to be a team that attacks. I mean, we're not here like David Moyes and Jose Mourinho just to put, you know what I mean, 10 men, 10 men behind the ball. Um, so if that's our ethos, then then we've got to match the personnel. So I agreed with Smith's decision to play him. Um, yeah, I thought it wasn't his best performance, but he did okay. And similar to, to McGinn's performance, what, what Chadzi said and Trezeguet. I mean, yeah, they worked hard. Um, but yeah, there probably wasn't that, that bit of quality uh, compared to the other guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the, on the midfield um problem if you like and you mentioned Douglas Louise who I thought was excellent and probably along with Jack probably our man of the match uh, and against two very physical physically imposing midfielders in Suchek and Rice you know Louise held his own bossed it uh, was physically very strong held them off numerous occasions won things in the air which is which is good and and considering his size you know again shows you the level he's playing at but Chazzy do you think there's there's an issue with our midfield and would you look to address it in January because if McGinn's having an off day, as Juggs has mentioned, we've got Nakamba and Harahan to come in. And really, are they at the standard where, if we want to be pushing mid-table or higher, are they at the standard required? Do you think we need to be looking at a midfield in January? I, th- I think we do need one more in there as well, to, like you say, to add a bit more competition for places. And there are going to be injuries. We're seeing the level of injuries across the league. So, you know, it's only a matter of time before we lose Grealish for a bit of time or... Barkley for a bit longer or if we lose Louise and the camera's going to have to play. So, yeah, ideally we we do need one more in there. But, you know, we're not going to finish in the top six and we're not going to finish in the bottom three. So, you know, does it really matter (laughs) where we finish in between there? Can can we blur Jacob Ramsey? Can we give him some game time? We've developed him as a player. We've seen him in the League Cup. We think he's good enough. So why not? Let's, you know, if we do get some injuries, why not? let's see some of the talent that we've spent so much time and money investing in. Um, You know, I made that point when we were after Loftus-Cheek and Barkley and I I got it wrong really because Barkley's been a great signing and he's added so much to the squad. But I I really would like us to see Ramsey playing if if injuries do do come back and hurt us because um, that's the whole point of having, having an academy. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, a few points there. I, th- I think it does matter in terms of where we finish because I think when it comes to players like Jack and Louise and, and players like that, if we finish top 10 versus 14, 15, then I think perception is important um, yeah. because then they might think we're improving and, and willing to sort of stay for the for the project, if you like. I hate that word, but uh, that's what I'm going to use. But on the point around Ramsey, you know, Harahan, you know, he's in the team, let's be honest, because of his final third ability, you know, his ability on corners, his ability on set pieces and free kicks and his ability to link up play with Jack and target on the left. That's that's ultimately what he's down for because anything else, he's not really up to the standard. Um, but I think, personally, I think, you know, in terms of our set pieces, I think we've got the likes of Traore and Barkley now who are able who are able to probably have set piece deliver at a similar kind of standard. You know, they've got that ability as well. Probably not as consistent in the Harahan, but they've definitely got the ability. We saw that with Traore last week. And we've seen it with Barkley on a number of occasions. In terms of general play, I think I definitely think Ramsey adds more to the team. Now, we've only seen him in the in the cup games, so we can't really make a judgment in terms of how he would be against Premier League standard, but he's got the confidence and he doesn't hide or shirk, which I think Harahan has does do from time to time. And definitely in the second half, 
you know, well, first half, there was a couple of two or three occasions where he he sort of ducked out of challenges and he he sort of headed the ball back to the West Ham defender because he thought a challenge was coming in when it wasn't. You know, he sort of, to Jugs' point, was hiding a little bit and was maybe a little bit nervous. And then second half, he lost the ball on numerous occasions and had to come off because obviously his sort of performance deteriorated a little bit. Whereas I think Ramsey is quite brave on the ball. Um, I think that's one thing you've seen from his performances. And I mean, I'm with you. I think we should be giving players like him a chance, um, especially in these types of games where, you know, we let's, let's face it, West Ham always are going to look to counter. That's the way they play. So we were going to have a lot of the ball. And someone like Ramsey, you know, gives yeah. him an opportunity to show, to show his worth. Um, and I, th- I, think if you, I think if you're not going to blow the youngster or two in this season, um, when there's no fans in stadiums and all of the different reasons why we know it's not not your normal year, then you're never going to do it. So I think we should take the opportunity if it does arise. To be honest, yeah, no, definitely. And uh, well, moving on to moving on to the second half, you're right, Chad. You know, the, um, you know, Smith mentioned that you know Moyes had to change the, the the lineup, and Antonio really wasn't in the game. You know, you could tell he was coming back from injury. He, he didn't really have uh, much of a say in in the game. Um, Jugsy, what were your thoughts on on the on the on the second half generally, and then we'll go on to the goal. Yeah, I'll quickly just cover off the goal if that's right. Arms, just it was a really frustrating goal because second half started, and I was really positive after our sort of end of the first half, and I thought we're, we're the only side that's going to win this game. And uh, obviously, West Ham made two good changes, quite positive changes for Moyes. And um, their goal comes from Cash, obviously bringing the ball upfield. He loses the ball, um, gets back into position. Um, I think Mings tries to attempt to make a challenge at the edge of the box. Uh, he hobbles back into position. Uh, Cash has obviously got Benarama and he shows him inside slightly and Benarama puts a cross in and Bowen, the smallest player on the pitch, scores a header. That just sums up Villa at the minute where it was just naive, really. I thought if I had to dissect the goal, I thought Mings was slow in terms of getting back into position and Mings does this. He's a, he's a big old unit, a big lad, uh, but when he's been in the Villa shirt I don't know like he gets into a challenge and he always comes off like he's injured at the challenge but he never is because he's fine like 30 seconds later so he was really slow to get back into position to cover that cross Um, and then Cash um, who's been excellent by the way I think um, and probably been probably my most sort of surprise signing in terms of his performances um, showed Ben Rama inside but I think one of the things that I noticed was McGinn came in to cover that sort of cross, but McGinn was so scared of giving a handball away, he sort of shied away. So if you look at, back at the goal, McGinn was actually covering that angle of that ball in. Um, but, but because he sort of shied away and, and let, let that ball go in, I think Cash was thinking that McGinn was going to get that that angle and cover that angle off. That's why he didn't press him too hard. So, yeah, it was, it was a couple of errors then. And then it's just luck. It's just gone straight. There's Bowen and I think another player could have headed it in. And Martinez, again, unlucky, didn't have no chance with that. So pretty frustrating. And yeah, I don't want to just be too negative because I think this this team deserves so much more for their efforts. And that second half, we were the only side really looking to attack. And West Ham didn't even have a chance, didn't even have a sniff. Um, and yeah, obviously we go into Trezeguet's chance. That chance was massive. Um, and it just sums up his season at the minute. He's got all the effort, but it's just that quality in that final third he's lacking. And it does mirror what we saw last season. Um, he did turn it around and you can't knock him as a player. And I still think he's our best option in that right wing. Um, but just goes to show that he needs a bit of luck and he needs a goal. And that would be a massive yeah. confidence booster for him. And it, the same happened last season when he got that goal against Leicester. It just turned his season around and he's a confidence player. So again, he's a player I'm backing still. I still think he's our best option. Um, but yeah, just what do you guys think of the second half then in terms of our chances? Yeah, just on that, I think um, it's quite interesting, isn't it, given how for how long we've been linked with Ben Rama and how much we know Smith likes him as a player. And I think he was probably one of his um, key targets last summer. And there was all the talk last year about wanting Ben Rama and ending up with Trezeguet. But, you know, Ben Rama's had one contribution to the half yesterday in 45 minutes and he's put a pinpoint cross in the one position where West Ham can score from the header. Absolutely perfect end product and that's essentially what's won them the game. You know, he hasn't done much else. He doesn't work as hard as Trezeguet. He probably couldn't do that role for us on the right-hand side where there's so much uh, legwork required. But 
that one moment of quality has won them the game. Whereas we've had so we've been so wasteful in front of goal, and his opposing player Trezeguet, who we are always comparing him to, has you know he he played last night like he'd won a competition to to play for Villa. You know he he graphs. I absolutely love him. I love Trezeguet, and I think like Juggy says, he should start every game for us. But last you know one one in seven games, he looks like he's won. Uh, where the prize lies at halftime at Villa Park. To, to play in the next game. You know, some of the things he did on the ball last night, were actually, I actually laughed out loud because I actually like him so much that I just can't criticize. I can't get angry with him for it. But, it, you know, you can't miss open goals. He missed one last week against Brighton. He missed one um, yesterday. And like Juzzi said, I just so desperately want it to fall for him because he's such a likeable character and does so much other good work for the team. But at the end of the day, you win, you win matches by scoring goals. Yeah, something I just want to highlight is obviously Trezeguet, he deserves starting the games, but he probably isn't the quality we need to progress as a team. We've spent 16 million on Traore, who I thought did okay when he came. He did quite well, actually, when he came on. But do you think we've missed a trick where we could have spent a bit more and signed a Benarama or someone of that level where we know they're going to start in week in, week out? They don't need time to bed in. Where there's still question marks on Traore and we've outlaid 16 million, um, which... I don't know. It just seems that one, we've just missed a trick here. Why didn't we invest five or ten million more? We've seen Barkley how much quality he adds to the team. Um, I think yesterday, um, second half especially, and against Brighton, we became Jack Grealish FC again. Where if Jack Grealish is going to do something, that's the only way we're going to create a chance. When we've seen Barkley, the quality he adds to have somebody in that right wing of the same ability as Jack or Barkley would just make us such a better side. We're creating as enough chances as we are. So imagine if we had that improved quality. Um, so I'm just yeah putting it out to you guys. Do you think that's that scenario that we would probably miss a trick, or do you think Troy will come in? I know it's hard to write him off after a few games; he's not really had much chance. But if if we've sent 16 million pound on a player and we know what Trezeguet is like with his sort of output, he should be starting game surely. Yeah, it's a good point, um, and I think Traore will grow into the role at Villa. I think he needs a couple of months to get settled back into our systems and what's expected of him without the ball, which is key that we've talked about week on week. But I also think it's going to be really interesting when Wesley gets back because, you know, I, I felt last night that we needed Wesley or, or a similar type of player up top. And even when Wesley does come back and starts playing more regularly and finds a place in this team, will that will that see Watkins drifting out wide? Because we know Watkins can play um, in that area. We know Watkins played wide under Smith at Brentford. And we know he's probably got a bit more quality on the ball to to finish chances, create chances. And I think that'll be really interesting if once Wesley does come back, what what Smith does with those two. Yeah, and no, some interesting points. And, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot in the, uh, around Trezeguet. And it's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? It's similar to the Harahan conundrum, which but the opposite in that Harahan has a lot of, has excellent end product, but doesn't have much else. Whereas Trezeguet has excellent everything else, but not much end product. Um, and it's a difficult one. I get it, you know, because we do everything so much. We do so much on the left and Grealish gets so much, especially this season, he's been given that opportunity to stay high up the pitch and not have to defend as much, which means Trez has to do that much more in terms of work rate. So that's why it's so vitally important to the team. Um, on Traore, I think, I mean, we we don't know who we went for at the end of the day. We don't know which players we tried to sign, how much we bid for them, what happened in negotiations. So who knows whether Traore was first pick or not. Um, I, I think it's always going to be the case. I think to to... It doesn't matter what you spend on a player these days, especially in this market, to fully expect them to come in and hit the ground running is, is a bit much, especially when they're coming from a different league. And I know Troy has been in England before and all that kind of stuff, but still it's it's a it's a big change, regardless of which league you come from, to come to a different team and a different culture, etc. So that's the first point. But I do think Troy now, you know, I I'm surprised he didn't start the game because he you know, he he did fairly well against Brighton. He wasn't amazing, but he did fairly well. And if you want a player like Traore to settle into the team and and uh, sort of get used to his teammates and, and put in some decent performances, you need to give him a run in the team. There's, there's no point judging Traore on the basis of one League Cup start uh, and and a few cameo appearances. It's not it's not enough. Uh, he needs more of an opportunity. I think that's the first first point. Um, but you know whether whether he comes in next game, I don't know. I personally, well, like you, I would stick with Trez. Um, 
I think, you know, you keep getting those positions, keep getting those back, you know, back post positions and, and those scoring positions. One of them will go in eventually and then hopefully their confidence will build. On the goal as well, um, good point around McGinn as well. I didn't actually notice that because I was slightly critical. I thought, you know, firstly, Cash loses the ball high up the pitch and then, you know, we're quite aggressive in our in our the way that we press. So we get turned over quite quickly and Louise and Haran don't manage to, to cut off four hours and they get the ball away and then Bowen comes inside and I thought Cash could have been a bit tighter. Um, and then I, I wasn't. I, I was like, "Why is Cash not blocking that cross? You know, why isn't he putting a foot out, foot out there?" But then looking back at it, you know, you're right. McGinn, it does come across, but then sort of steps away. So you know, m- maybe a little bit harsh on Cash. I don't know, but uh, I think there's numerous, numerous things that, that happen. But in yeah. terms of chances, obviously, um, you know, there was. Sorry, sorry, I'm just make a, a quick point um, again about concentration and being switched on and standards as a team. Um, we've conceded five goals this season between 45 minutes and 60 minutes. So straight after half time, where we've had a team talk, um, Smith's got into the players. We know what our plan is for the second half. We've conceded a goal. And that just summarises our season where naivety again, where that first 15 minutes in that second half is crucial. Um, you don't want to give anything away because then you're up against it. And it's a hard climb to come back if you're a goal down to score two goals to win a game. So again, it's all about concentration and that's something that we need to address. You know I mean, five goals between them 15 minutes after half time is, is not good. Um, so yeah, again, something I thought yeah. I'd, I'd mention. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, no, it's a, it's a good, it's a good point. Um, and something we definitely need to address that like, lack of concentration and awareness almost. And, and just, you know, mental, it's a mentality thing, isn't it? Uh, you've got, you've got to be up for that up the game from minute one and especially in the Premier League we've talked about before you know whereas in the Championship you might get away with those types of things in the Premier League you rarely do uh, and that you normally get punished but but moving on to, to other chances obviously we had the Trezeguet chance we talked about um, numerous other good play um, and then obviously the biggest talk well one of the biggest talk points in the second half was the penalty um, Chazzy what were your thoughts on firstly the pen- penalty Trezeguet gets his shirt pulled and then gets a bloody bloody eye or bloody head I wasn't sure where he got hit but um, do you think it was a bit soft? No no he's, he's um, pulled him back in the box he's pulled his shirt that's a foul doesn't matter whereabouts on the pitch it is so definite penalty and thank God they didn't review it I think they actually told the ref yeah he's pulled his shirt back and they made a relatively quick decision given today's standards um, and then you know it, it, you can't miss the target and I don't personally I know, I know we might debate this now but I don't personally think Watkins should be taking penalties he hasn't got a great penalty record I know he scored his last one but for me Grealish has got to be taking the penalties he's the captain he's the best player on the pitch by a country mile his confidence is through the roof he's playing for England now he's our leader he, he's he, he's our go-to man if he can score from 25 yards and put it in the top corner with four defenders and a goalkeeper in front of him, scoring from 12 yards f- from a dead ball with no defenders in front of you is one of the easiest things a professional footballer of Jack's level can do. Um, so I think really should just be picking up the penalties from here on in. You know, there's, you could say a good captain wants his striker to get get a goal and get the confidence up and help help with his striker's numbers, etc. But no, we've got to win games. You don't see Ronaldo giving other people penalties. Just get your best player to kick the ball into the goal and get on with it. You know, it's it's so annoying. Um, and, you know, Watkins wasn't having a good game. His confidence was shot. He'd missed a few chances. So, for me, the captain's got to step up and, and just bang it in, to be honest. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, Jugsy, um, the penalty, I mean, you know, I mean, Watkins hits it well. And uh, you know, a couple of inches below, and it, and it hits the underside of the bar and goes in. And we're we're talking a completely different way about that penalty and, and the game. But I mean, would you agree with Chad? Do you think Grealish needs to be on pens? Um, I wouldn't, to be honest. I think it just puts too much pressure on Grealish's shoulders. He missed a pen last season at Sheffield United. I just don't think Grealish is a natural striker of the ball. So if Huran's on that p- pitch and he's a set piece taker and he's probably our cleanest striker of the ball, he should be taking that pen for me. And if not, sorry, my first pen choice would be Ross Barkley. I think Barkley is that player in terms of having that technical quality. He's got the confidence, he's calm, he's composed and he's got the quality. So I'd back Barkley to be that first pen taker if he's on the pitch. Hurahan, again, he's in there for his set pieces. The reason why I'm not saying Jack, even though I would back him to score, is you just don't want too much 
sorry, pressure on his shoulders. But yeah. you do. I think you do. He thrives on it. it mm. He wants pressure. He's, sure. our go- he's our talisman. Yeah. I think if he missed a pen, it, his head would drop massively because he just thinks it's on him massively. I know I know he, he, he thrives under pressure, but it's just asking too much of him because he's not a natural pen taker, is he? Let's be honest. Um, so it's, it's one of the areas where we've gone into season without a, a pen taker again. Last season, what about, we had what about, what about Dougie Louise? What are your thoughts on him? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, oh, yeah. Scoring a penalty is one of the easiest things a professional footballer can do. Give it to Mings, give it to Conta, target. It doesn't matter. Just hit the target. It's a goal. I don't want to, <laughs> honestly, I don't want to downplay it. Yeah. That is one of the easiest possible situations to score a goal from and any single player on that pitch, in the stands. Give it to Craig Shakespeare as, I'm con- as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Just hit the target. Can we can we just say quickly, just how funny was it with Trezeguet when he had his thumbs up to Smith and he had <laughs> a head full of blood? Like, that just shows Trezeguet. He's acting like he's having a stormer, like he's Messi or Ronaldo. He's having a stinker. And any other player would be like, yeah, get me off this pitch. I'm having a stinker. <laughs> Oh, I've got my head open, but he's giving the thumbs up like there. Yeah, I'm, I'm carrying on here. I'm, I'm messy, legend, lads. Absolute legend. Did you see McGinn's look on? Uh, it was next to him. McGinn was yeah, like, was "What, you, what I think are you doing, Trez? What are you doing?" I think he's. I think he's saying to him, "You're going off anyway, mate. Try always warming up." <laughs> and obviously, because there's not a crowd there, you can hear everything the player's saying. But Ming's all he's saying throughout the game is Trezzy, for fuck's sake. That's all he's saying all game. So <laughs> I think the players must like him. To be fair. Yeah, they do. They love Trez. Obviously, he, you know he does so much for the team. Um, yeah, I'm sure they love him. But uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, you know, there was a few other half chances. Watkins header with Grealish is a really good play where he dragged it back and then pulled it away and then cut, cut and crossed it with his left. And I think Watkins should do better with his header. Algarzi Traore come on and, and they looked fairly decent. Uh, but obviously, West Ham were defending quite deep, so it's quite difficult to do anything. But you know, we had all the ball and. And look quite threatening, but without creating too much in those last ten or ten or so minutes. And then, and then, and then the big talking point: uh, Target gets the ball on the left, puts a really good cross in. Um, Watkins wrestling with Ogbonna, trying to get through. Um, Ogbonna's got his basically got him in a headlock, uh, and and Watkins sort of holds him off and gets through, and an excellent finish with his right foot. Um, straight away, I'm thinking, well, that looks offside. Uh, and, and and as it was, we look back at the replay. It takes about twenty five minutes to find out, but after lots of lines being drawn, it's chalked off or offside. I know we talked about VAR last game. Um, I don't want to do. I don't want to labour the point around VAR because we can talk about it all day long. But firstly, Chadzi, what are your thoughts on the offside? Uh, what are your thoughts on the penalty potentially as well, and why it was missed? And what are your general thoughts on VAR? Yeah, so if if they give if they disallow the goal for offside, no matter what line they draw and whether it's his arm or not, I can accept that. You know, offside is offside, and we can debate whether it's the right offside law to use. We can debate whether it should be the t-shirt line. All that is just nonsense. That the FA and the governing bodies need to sort that out. But I don't think anybody's trying to stitch Aston Villa up by disallowing goals that should be goals. If they think it's offside, that's one of those things that VAR should be black and white. It's clearly not, but, you know, if there wasn't a foul in the process of that play, I I could live with it. But it's the fact that they haven't had the foresight and just the open-mindedness to look at the whole situation and realise, like Smith said, the reason he's offside is because he's grappling to get away from a rugby tackle two arms around the neck. And it's just absolute nonsense. That's what technology is there for, to to correct the clear and obvious error. And the clear and obvious error there is that the referee hasn't seen a rugby tackle inside the box in a crucial moment where our striker's about to score a goal or get away, get into space to score a goal. So, yeah, we can. the offside bit's irrelevant. It's a penalty and they should give it. And that's what's so annoying. They've brought in technology, but it's actually the human error of applying the technology that's, that's the most frustrating part. And... Overall, you know, I'm massively against it. I think it should be in the well and truly in the bin full stop, no matter who's using it and for what circumstance, because it is genuinely killing football. And I think there's a growing momentum now of players, fans, all stakeholders across the game that genuinely, no matter whether it's for or against their team, believe it's killing the game. Because when Watkins scored that goal in 93rd minute last night, I did not flinch. I did not jump up. I did not celebrate. I did not do any of the things I would have usually done if Villa scored a goal in the last minute of a game because I thought it's too borderline. They're going to at least review it. 
And that's what football is all about. We talked about that so many times on this podcast over the last few months. It's all about that moment. As soon as you lose that moment of ecstasy, you lose that, that rush of adrenaline, football is dead and it's dying. And unless they address it urgently, a lot of people are going to fall out of love with the game. Why do you think it works for, you know, you know rugby very well, obviously. Why do you think it works for a sport like rugby and even cricket um, and then doesn't work for football? Do you think it's that is that is because of those moments and the way it impacts it, whereas compared to rugby and, and cricket, there's more breaks in the game and, and it's easier to implement? Yeah, I think there's 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 less um, flashpoints in a game of football. Like I said last week, it generally comes down to one moment, one goal, whereas rugby and cricket, there's five, six scores or, you know, there's 20 wickets in a game. So it, it's, you're not really comparing apples with apples like that. But also I think that the level of um, sort of respect or command that referees and the officials have in those sports is totally different. You know, a referee in a rugby game has got the respect of every single player on that pitch and will take the time to make the right decision and will have the bollocks to make the right decision despite any circumstance or any pressure from manager or player. Whereas in football, you know, I genuinely think they're bottling, they're bottling making the big decisions and bottling and going through with their own convictions because of the stick they might get on the pitch at the time from the manager before or after the game. And, you know, it, it, it's to, it's a totally different situation. So if they're not going to apply it and not going to use it correctly, they should, should just chuck it in the bin. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you're, we're talking about a, a Ollie Watkins here being being brave, let's be honest, you know, in terms of not looking for the foul, not looking for a penalty and trying to get that goal and doing the right thing. You know, we haven't talked about Grealish's dive, which, you know, okay, whether it was a dive or not, you know, he definitely gets kicked out uh, and he definitely goes over the top. So it's not, I wouldn't say it's a dive as such, but definitely going over the top and, and the exaggeration and something you don't really want to see. But then when you see something like that happen with Watkins doesn't get a penalty because he doesn't go down, Jugsy, I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on that in terms of, you know, players diving and players looking for penalties, you know, do, I mean, do you, can you blame them? No, I can't really. I think Watkins was, yeah, too, too honest for his own good, really. And it's frustrating. He needs to, you know I mean? Understand that as a striker, as, to be fair, he's done the right thing because he's got onto the end of the ball. Um, so he's done the right thing because the outcome was correct. It was just obviously marginally offside and it's come down to centimetres, but yeah, we just need to be a bit more street smart with these sort of things. And I think, yeah, the Grealish incident, I think we need to just highlight that because he just exaggerated. And I know a lot of fans of the fans give him a lot of stick for being a diver and we can see how much he gets kicked in the game. And he's got to go down and he's got to exaggerate sometimes to get the referee to do something because they need to protect him because he is that flair player and he is always getting targeted. I mean, West Ham were kicking him. But I just thought as a team, we were we did go down a bit easy throughout the game. I, I could see from West Ham point of view, they were, could get frustrated by it. And it sort of spilled into the sidelines where I think Kevin Nolan was calling Grealish a diver or a cheat or something. But yeah, Grealish gets targeted by teams. They'll just kick him out of game. So I can understand why he, he does exaggerate fouls on, on occasions. He's not a diver for me because he got kicked. He just exaggerated his fall. So he's got kicked. That's that's the end point of it, really, and yeah, and with Grealish, um, he's one of those players that takes it. Do you know what I mean? He does get on with it. He might go down for a few seconds or, or have a moment at the ref, but he gets on with it, picks himself, and he's a he's a big boy, boy and he's strong. So um, it's one of those things where I thought he exaggerated, and I don't really see that too much from Grealish because he just takes away from what a good player he is, and it gives the fans excuse to just have a, have a bit of a moan or um, slate him. Because obviously they're probably a bit jealous that he's class and better than anything in their team, really. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, um, frustrating is the word again to use about the whole game and another game we should have won. And, and as we've said before, you know, um, Leeds are really the only team that have genuinely beaten us and deserve deservedly. So everyone else, you know, we've deserved at least a draw, if not a win. And, and this game, definitely, I think we deserved a win. And it just wasn't our day, but. Before we look ahead uh, to the Newcastle game, let's quickly get some uh, comments in and, and get your thoughts on these comments as well. Um, firstly, uh, Villa Together podcast, Chris says, Hurahan Woeful, he's not the answer, so who is? Um, if you were, Chaz, if we were to take Hurahan out of the team for, for Friday, who would you who would you look to bring in, do you think? I think in a home game, I'd be confident to, to play Traore, um, have McGinn, with Louise and, and move Traore more central to uh, 
perform that Barkley role and just say this is your chance, keep the shirt. So that's that's what I'd go with at home to Newcastle, definitely. Tom uh, Wicked 01 says, where's the defensive solidity of the first lockdown and the first four games of the season disappeared to? Jugsy, where's it gone, yeah. mate? Yeah, no, it's disappointing. But I think these things are in our control. It's not as if, I mean, the opposition are playing us and we're not competing. It's mistakes from us. So I think it's something that we will address and improve on for sure. So anything in our control is positive. Um, so I think Mings and Constant need to set the tone. They just need to be a bit more aggressive and sort of get that ball out of the, their third and, you know I mean, set the standard. And I think as a team, we just need to be a bit more switched on and set pieces. And Smith, again, maybe needs to review how, how we how we set up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Jack Cudworth says, cough, Ramsey, cough. Yeah, we've talked about Ramsey and the potential for him to play and definitely an option I think we should consider. Stand the man uh, in response to Villa together said, woeful is harsh. Uh, I don't think he's athletic. This is about Harahan. I don't think he's athletic or mobile enough as a starter, but I think he did okay last night. He actually makes a great run for our goal and that takes away a defender to create the space for Jack. I'm not saying he's the answer, but woeful is harsh. Uh, Jess says the the fact we are creating chances is co- is cause to remain optimistic. However, the defense is back to pre lockdown levels, which is alarming. While we can't defend properly, we will continue to lose games. Um, well, yeah, I mean we've talked about all of that already, and you know definitely needs to be a mentality change there. Martin uh, marked 100 AVFC. Uh, the time has come to start Troy. I love Trez, but honestly, you can't keep missing these chances. Uh, well, as Chaz, Chazzy's mentioned, you know, potentially against Newcastle, who are going to be depleted potentially in terms of their their lineup, uh, maybe an opportunity to play both of them in the, in a side and be quite attacking. Um, I mean, Chazzy, you mentioned there about the the play McGinn and Louise. We 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 changed the formation again yesterday to the four three three rather than the four two three one. Would you would you again go back to that four two three one, which has served us so well? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, he changed it yesterday and it worked. You know, I know we haven't got the result, but we, we we should have and we played well and we created more chances we dominated the play so I think Smith's done his homework and got it right yesterday and adapted well without Barkley so you know they might stick with that that same uh, method against against Newcastle I think it'll it will depend on whether we gamble on whether Newcastle play with the two strikers or not you know I think they very much went 4-4-2 last Friday night against against Palace so it'll be very interesting to see what, like you say, what personnel they turn up to Villa Park with on Friday, and, and how Bruce plays it. But um, I think I think I'd go back to the four-two-three-one, and this works works well for us. Uh, Mark Hines says, "Is Trez's hard work and style mentality really reason enough to keep him starting in the Premier League? The amount of poor shots and his trash conversion rate is damning." Yeah, we've talked about that already, and, and definitely one of his uh, worst games uh, yesterday. But then again, you know, against Brighton, I thought it was one of his best games. So. You can see why he was still in the lineup, um, but it's what you're going to get with Trez, I think. Boise says, "Why are we switching off? Prem standard defenders just don't. I don't see that much in other teams, even the low clubs who ship goals." Jugsy, I mean, defense. You know, we've got Mings and Konza. They don't really have any competition. Uh, House is out. Engels is out. Even then, when they're fully fit, they're probably not up to the standard. Would you Would you look at a defender in January? Obviously, we're talking about two or three signings here. It's going to be very difficult to buy players. But would you look at a defender? Yeah, I, I definitely would. I just don't think House and Engels are at that level. Um, not to say that I would probably drop Conter and Mings because they've done adequate, really. Um, I think we're just miles away from where we were last season as a team. We're conceding less chances. And I wouldn't say it's Conter's and Mings' fault, really, on, on, on the goals that we conceded yesterday. Um, yeah, it's just, just down to sort of individual errors in terms of concentration and, again, maybe the, the zonal marking and stuff. So... It's a case where I'd address it in January because I think we need healthy competition. House um, is is decent, is versatile, but probably not good enough for Premier League. And Engels is not not quick enough, I'm, I'm afraid. Um, he, yeah, he, he's he, he's had injury problems as well this season, so something maybe one that we look to offload. Uh, I don't think Smith Smith trusts Engels after his uh, error against Tottenham last season, so it'd be an area where. We haven't got endless pot of money. We're talking about signing another centre midfielder, centre back, probably need to cover a left back, another option on the wing maybe. So there's countless players that we can look at and improving the squad. And as Chazzy mentioned, we're a mid-table side and that's that's what I've, I've sort of ascertained from yesterday where we're still naive. At this team, for their efforts and how we play, we deserve more. But we've just got to make sure that we make it count. So yeah, I wouldn't invest too much money maybe in, into the side and maybe wait till the summer. 
Um, just quickly, uh, last comment, and then we'll go to Newcastle game. Sam, uh, Sam Cleary said, um, if uh, playing badly and winning games is a good sign, it is uh, playing well and losing games a bad sign? Is it a concern, Chadzi? Yeah, of course it's a concern. It's not a habit you want to get into, um, but I, I do think that it's still a relatively small sample size. Um, I think if we get to Christmas and we're in the bottom six or seven and we're saying the same old thing and having the same old conversations, then yeah, it's it's a huge issue. Of course it is. But I'm actually quite confident that the numbers will will start to start revealing themselves in the in the results. If that makes sense, you can't keep having an XG of three and 0.5 against and losing games. I think the goals will come. I think we will we will cut out some of these sloppy errors. I think we will hopefully learn our lesson in terms of the concentration levels required from the first minute onwards. And yeah, we're going to lose games, but hopefully when we do, you know, if we do lose games. I'd much rather lose games where. Um, we've played some good stuff and there's some positives to take than um, plenty of times last season when we were completely out of our depth. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think, you know, end of day on Friday, we'll come onto the game now. If we win that game on Friday, we're in the top four and we're on the same level, same number of games as everyone else. So from that perspective, you know, it's still there for us to to do well this season and, you know, I think this could be a turning point that game on Friday because you know we've we've had some really good performances throughout the season. We've had some really good results early on in the season, and the last four or five games we've had the performances without the results. So Friday, I think if we you know if we're frustrated and we lose or draw the game, then I think you know it's that sort of mentality sets into the squad, uh, and it can be, become a difficult period, and especially when we've got decent games coming up where we can win them if it's the mentality isn't there so it's a bit of a concern because then the, the harder games come and then it becomes even more difficult so that game on Friday is imperative uh, that we you know we, we start the game well and we, we try and make the best of it uh, potentially a game that might or might not go ahead we don't know yet so we'll preview it as if it is going ahead Jugsy what have you made of, uh, of Newcastle this season um, and obviously Steve Bruce coming back to his all hunting ground yeah I think um yeah, Villa fans have given Bruce a lot of stick, but he's doing the job that Mark Ashley is requiring of him, um, where they're on 14 points, same points at Leeds. So they're sort of mid-table, similar to last season. They're pretty comfortable and they know what they want out of a game of football. they got, you know I mean, everyone behind a ball, um, keeping it tight. And if they nick a goal, great, three points. If not, a draw will do. And that's their game plan. Um, I think Wilson has given that a bit of quality in the final third. Um, he's, he's more of a natural finisher than Jolinton. And he's made a massive difference to them. He's got quite a few goals, other than five or six goals so far this season. So he's, he's been an excellent silent, someone who we were linked with, um, even though I'm, I'm pretty happy with Watkins. And yeah, there's not much flair in terms of how they set up as a team. They're playing quite a narrow 4-4-2 at the minute. And uh, St. Maxim, who's probably their most attacking players out of favour at the minute. So it just shows what Smith, uh, sorry, what Bruce is thinking about the team. He's not being too adventurous uh, with the lineup. Um, yeah, Wilson's probably the one that we need to watch out for. Um, and again, they're a strong side on set pieces as well. So they're quite a tall side. So sometimes if they go with a back five, they'll have, yeah, the likes of three centre-backs and even one of the centre-backs will play full-back sometimes. So they're quite a big side, an imposing side. So again, it's an area that we need to work on and make sure we don't make the same mistakes. Chaz, a game really we should be winning, really, Newcastle. Um, you know, how would you look to, how would you approach the game if you were Dean Smith? Yeah, a game we should hopefully win. Um, but, you know, as, as we've seen over recent weeks, winning the Premier League is not easy and you've got to be on it for 90 minutes. So <laughs> as much as we say it's a game we should win, it's a game that you know we could easily not win if that makes sense, and we've got to be on it from the first minute. We're not going to have the points handed to us, and you know the point about Bruce just comes back to the point about Bruce. I think it's if you're an onlooker from another club, looking at Newcastle or anywhere Bruce has ever been, you, your perspective is you can't knock him. He's doing the job, like Jugsy just said. He's doing the job he's brought in to do. He's going to keep them up. I wouldn't be surprised if they finished in and around the same place that we finish. And, you know, if Bruce was Villa's manager this year, we'd probably finish in and around where we're probably going to finish under Smith. But it's how you go about it. It's what football's about. And um, he, he just sucks the life out of you, doesn't he? Watching a team, a Steve Bruce yeah. team, he sucks the life out of the club. And the whole point of it really is entertainment and enjoyment. So I'd much rather finish 
tenth under Dean Smith and having the excitement and enjoyment and the flair of watching Villa play, even even like last night when we lose, than struggling to 42, 43 points under Steve Bruce and just not enjoying any any second of it. So um yeah that that's my that's my take on Bruce. But um yeah I think we've got to be on the front foot, take the game to Newcastle on Friday night. But also We've got to we've got to make sure that we don't make the same mistakes we made in the last couple of weeks. Whereby Brighton, we've gone to the game, we're on the front foot, we're at Villa Park, it's a home game, we've got to win it. And then we've got eleven men in their final third of the pitch, and Welbeck just nips in. You know, we've got to pay them the respect they deserve. They're a Premier League team, quality Premier League team in their own right, with some quality players. And if we're not on it defensively and we don't concentrate from the first minute to last, somebody somewhere in that team will hurt us. So I'd like us to score one or two goals and win the game rather than have to score three three or four to take three points. So I'd much rather us concentrate on being a bit more solid defensively than gung-ho Villa Park, take the game to them and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a, a good point. And, uh, you know, I think Wilson is their danger man, let's be honest. Uh, and if we can keep him quiet, then they don't have much else, um, apart from Maxim, who might not, probably won't play. Um, Carl Darlow, obviously, has been an exceptional form for them as well. Uh, and they've they've won a lot of games where they've deserved to lose. Pretty much the opposite of us, really. Um, and, and you can say West Ham did a Newcastle on us last night, really. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see how, the, how we set up. Uh, I personally would probably look to bring Troy into the team and, and drop Haran and maybe go maybe go with the, the three of Trez our, uh, Trez Troy and Grealish and maybe then let them interlink and, and give them a bit more freedom in and around the box I still stick with Watkins obviously well got a choice really until Davis comes back if he ever comes back um Jugsy, what your what your thoughts on the game and and how do you think it'll go what's your prediction yeah I think I'm quite p- positive about it I think Smith will be into the players saying we've got nothing out the last two games and we deserve probably six points. So let's not make the same mistake again. Um, I think we'll win the game. I think Newcastle will be ravaged by injuries and this, so not injuries, the the positive coronavirus cases. I think they're going to be missing a few players. Um, yeah, I think we, we go attacking and I'm not sure what change I'll make. I would personally stick with Hurahan because he's had a good performance against him last season. And I think we'll get a lot of sort of set pieces around the box. Because um, obviously Newcastle will probably just camp out defensively, and Troyd then gives us an option off the bench. So I'd probably keep with the same team because I thought we played all right with the interlink with with Huran, Target, and Grealish. Yeah, so I think we'll, we'll get a positive result. I think we'll win the game, to be honest. And um, looking forward to. It. I hope hopefully the game goes ahead because it's a short sort of few days between now the dis- disappointment of West Ham to, to Fridays, you know what I mean? Four days. So it's nice to get over West Ham as soon as possible and, and just approach a fresh game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and as far as far as I'm aware, and what, what I've read is um, as long as Newcastle have 14 players fit and ready to go, including under 23s, then they have to play the game. You know, Premier League set out their precedent from the beginning of the season to make sure that they weren't losing too many games to to COVID um, because obviously the, the schedules are already tight. There's, there's only one or two free game weeks available, to be honest. And one of those games will be taken up by a game against Man City, which was rearranged. So, um, I mean, I'm sure Newcastle will do everything in their power to try and get it called off, and 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 you know, we'll we'll play the media to it, it, and spin it as much as they can to make sure that they get the result that they want. But I think it, it would set a negative precedent if if the Premier League do cancel the game, um, because then you know what happens if, other, if the same thing happens to other teams, and you end up in a situation where, again, we're talking about a season being decided on paint points per game basis or or similar to what we, we were talking about last season. Chazzy, what are your what are your thoughts on the game and your prediction? Uh yeah, that, you know, these games are never as easy as you, you want them to be or, or make out. So I think very much does depend on what team turns up for Newcastle. I think if they've got a full strength side, it will be tight. I think it'll be cagey. Um and I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw if I'm honest. But I'm gonna predict and back the lads to bounce back and nick it two one. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for 2-0. And uh, well, if we win that game, we go fourth. So we're having a different conversation and, and taking a different perception on, uh, perspective on things um, if that happens. But we'll see what happens. Obviously, we'll be back uh, post the game with the lockdown lowdown, review of the game. Hopefully it goes ahead. Um, and then next week, we'll be back with uh, obviously the late night ramble. Not, not this week because uh, of the short time between games. Got some special guests lined up. Uh, I'll let you know more about that on our social media pages when I when I uh, confirm dates and times but apart from that 
Thanks, Chazzy and Jugsy, for your time again, once again. Cheers, Holmes. Nice for Holmes. And uh, look out for our lockdown lowdown after the Newcastle game. If you're on any podcast platform or on pretty much all of them, please do subscribe and, and, and follow us. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcast, then please leave a review and rating. It helps us out a lot. Uh, we're mainly on, we're on all the uh, social media pages. We're mainly on Twitter. We're, uh, we're most active on there. Our username is at Villa Podcast, all one word. And uh, apart from that, thank you for listening once again. And thank you for your time. And up the Villa. Up the Villa, lads. Up the Trez. I love it. Manu bahut changa lagda.